Are you there, God? It's us, Sid King and Becca Stevenson. Welcome to the Good Girls Gone Sad podcast, where we answer the questions, what made you good and what makes you sad? We started this podcast to dispel the rumor that good girls go bad. Sometimes they go sad, but mostly good girls go wherever they want. So we're here to unpack our religious drama together. Yes, we did say drama because the best parts of religion are performative. A reminder, as always, we are not here, here to bash. We're just here to bond. We actually have a super exciting guest today. Um, this is our first guest that we have found on TikTok. Yes. <laughs> which we've actually been trying to find guests on TikTok. So this one worked out perfectly. Um, we love when we just have content so relatable yes. that someone is like, I have to share my story. <laughs> it's also nice when you don't have to approach someone and go, hey, did you go to church? Was that good for you? You want to talk about it? It's nice to not have to approach somebody in such a creepy manner. <laughs> yeah, we have been told that you shouldn't ask strangers if they grew up religious. So we learned our lesson the hard way. And now Indeed. here we are with the self-proclaimed <laughs> former Catholic. Please welcome everybody. Welcome Melissa Cole, who is a millennial first generation American and host of the It's Cold Culture podcast. Um, and we're just excited to get going. Um, yes. Yeah, so awesome. The first question. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you, guys. Awesome. So we just like to kick things off, really getting to the the basics of how you're a good girl. So we would love to know your good girl origin story. Absolutely. So I think like many people that you've had on here and like said, I'm a 12 year Catholic school girly. Yeah. Um, the kicker for me is that mine was also like a cultural experience. So my dad is an immigrant. He immigrated to the U.S. Um, from Portugal when he was 16. And the Azores, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Azores, are you? So I've never been, but I've like some of my friends went a few years ago. Yes. So oh, it's yeah. It's becoming popular as a destination now. It's like kind of like Hawaii of the Atlantic, if you will. Mm-hmm. But growing up, it wasn't that. But my dad immigrated with a whole bunch of other people to the same area in southeastern Mass. And so my entire community was just very culturally similar. They were all religious. The Azores are like 90% Roman Catholic. So it was all, I was immersed in that as I grew up. And there was really no dividing line between the culture of Portuguese people and then the religion side of it. Like it's all just, you don't know where one starts and where the other Uh, where one ends and where the other begins. It's just very whole. (laughs) So the school I went to was a Portuguese Catholic school, meaning literally every single person who attended was Portuguese. They taught in English, but Mm -hmm. the background of everyone was just like, we were so sheltered. There was nobody that wasn't exactly like us that was going to that school. And this was in the States. This was in Massachusetts. Yes, this was in Massachusetts. Yep. Um, And so, just for like an example, the city I grew up in had like a hundred thousand people, and fifty percent of the people in that city were Portuguese. So it it has the highest um, percent Portuguese people in the whole nation in that city that I grew up in. So it's it was pretty interesting because you don't really find that in a larger city like that where you have just such a dominant um, ethnicity. So we had a lot of interesting, like cultural twists on the Catholic school experience. Mm-hmm. Did you guys have processions 
Do you mean like when at the beginning of mass and it'd be like a big ordeal processions? No. So like around town, like a religious, a religious parade around the town. Do you mean like during Semana Santa? What is Semana Santa? <laughs> okay, so I studied abroad in Sevilla, like the southern in southern Spain, and um, where Catholicism is, it's like it's it, but no one went holy to that. like a holy week of yeah. So the holy week Semana Santa, and then but they do the processionals, but they like carry these like huge, big dying Jesuses throughout town, and they wear everyone wears robes and like the robe color you're wearing denotes like which church and parish you're part of. So I've participated in those, if it's that kind of thing. So it, but I would say it's probably similar, but it's not just for Holy week. It's like all the damn time. All the time. <laughs> yes. So they were very prevalent. We were always doing a procession and it's literally like a religious parade where you kind of go around town. You have to wear a dress. You have to carry some kind of symbolic you know, a cross or a crown or whatever you're carrying. And I hated them. I absolutely hated doing it, but it was, that was my weekend. Like every weekend I'm, I'm doing this. I was going to ask how often, but every weekend is a lot. (laughs) So if there's like a season, so it starts typically after Easter and it'll go, I mean, it could go through the summertime. Uh, So it's several several weekends, months, whatever, what have you. But I hated it because I was like growing up, I'm, you know, in even in middle school and whatnot, like my friends are out like doing normal kid things or activities. They're like joining sports. They are, you know, doing dance, whatever. And I'm just walking in these religious processions every weekend. No, I didn't have that. But I probably would have eaten it up, to be honest. So I would have loved that. She would have been tap dancing down the street, baton twirling, there, yeah, twirling the cross. Yeah, like a, like a baton, exactly. Yeah. On fire, I'm sure I would have found a way to, I would have found a way to make it very performative. Um, I did used to dance in the aisles um, at mass, but like not in like a liturgical dance kind of way, in like a I made it I. Because mass is where you have your main character moment, obviously. The spirit moved you. The spirit, the spirit moved me. Exactly. So I used to like dance in the aisles during like hymns and things. And my this I was a child. And my mom like tried to pull me out of the aisles. And the priest went up to her and was like, How dare you stop her from dancing for the Lord? So I feel like that's the exact opposite response that you would have gotten from a priest in my church. Like they would go over the microphone and they'd be like, <clears throat> like quiet that baby. Like they were like rude. I think oh. I, the thing is I was really good at dancing. I'm not going to toot my own horns. They're like, it's like I was speaking in tongues, but dancing. They're like, look, she's a, I think it's kind of the vibe that they got. That if, you're, was, if you're bad at dancing, you have to leave. But if you're good <laughs> at dancing, you can stay. You get, you get away with whatever you want when you're very flexible. I, I'll just say that. But That's awesome. I'm in my, um in my, so that was in Pennsylvania in my churches um my parishes in Indiana yeah there was no silly dancing we were not allowed to dance but once again I was moved by the spirit I was very good so (laughs) they would they would like decorate the roads for these processions that would go around town like so floral decorations or like sawdust like that they dye and you actually I know nobody that's listening will be able to see this but (laughs) That's what they would do to the road. So that's oh, like, wow. that's sawdust and like flowers. There's a picture I'm pointing to that's behind me on my podcast wall. But <laughs> it's so intricate. That's incredible. 
Yeah, that's kind of cool. So was it the whole church would do this or just the children? What was the vibe? So the whole church would do it. Um, there's a little bit of a nuance with this whole cult of the Holy Spirit thing that I can get into if you guys are interested. Please do, please do. <laughs> so this is something that I think was more broad than just you know, Azorian people, but the Catholic church tried to squash it and they were successful at squashing it in a whole bunch of other places, but not on these remote islands. So like even mainland Portugal, I think they were not as, sorry, I just paused a motorcycle went by. I was really obnoxious. (laughs) Um, so even mainland Portugal, I think doesn't have as strong of ties to this tradition than they did on the Azores. Um, it was like, okay, there's these weird people out on this Island that is so far out in the middle of the ocean. Like they could do whatever they want, whatever, who cares? And then, and then they really took to it and they just really, it became like their thing. And then of course they immigrated everywhere. So now of course we're doing it in the U S and Brazil and California. Um, and it's, I never called it the cult of the Holy spirit growing up. So I just recently, when I was researching for my podcast and kind of getting into my history, I was like, I looked it up and it just came up with like a Wikipedia article that was like cult of the Holy spirit. I'm like, Oh my God, I was in a cult. I grew up in a cult, (laughs) not, not a bad cult, Mm -hmm. but it truly hits all the elements of like what you would need to be considered a cult. It's this brotherhood with these unwritten rules and there's leaders that you elect, you know, you pick names out of a hat and somebody's the leader for the year. And it, you just do all of these things. You have sacrificial animals (laughs) such that they, there was this one part of the process was you take a couple of cows and you parade the cows around town. So like we lived in a city too. So like, this isn't some, you know, farmland out there somewhere. Like we're parading cows, like down city streets going around in Massachusetts. Yeah. (laughs) And you parade the cow around. And then these cows are like sacrificial cows as part of this whole feast, if you will. And so they then later come back, anybody who bought tickets to this cow sacrifice (laughs) would then you go back around to their home and you deliver pieces of the cow, like meat from that cow with bread and wine and whatever it is. So like, then you'd go deliver it afterwards. But I'm like, how sick is that? Like if somebody wasn't from our culture and you just like, someone's parading a cow around town and then coming and delivering that same cow meat, like, yeah, like you live in an apartment building. You're like, there's the cow people again. Yes. <laughs> for neighbors. must be cow day and it's a whole like they'll they're singing with the cow as they like go down the road so it's not just like a rogue cow on its own it's just it's a whole thing uh so that was about part of that cult as well and there was other components to it um rosary related so Mm. they would do the rosary every night at somebody's house you would open your home to the public and again names get picked out of a hat one week at a time. So let's say your name got picked out, Sid, and you're you're the rosary house for the week. So everyone in the community would go and show up at your house every night and pray the rosary. It happened to be in Portuguese because that was our 
church in our language. So they would pray the rosary every night and have like pastries or whatever. And then at the end of the week, they'd go and do their little religious procession around town. And it was just a whole thing every week for like eight weeks straight after Easter. Wow. Was that something that like you felt honored to be able to do? Or was it something that you're like, oh no, I have to open up my house every night for a week? So the people who were getting picked, uh, they loved it. Like that was Mm -hmm. an honor for them. And they set up a whole shrine to the Holy spirit in their home. So you're kind of praying the rosary around this, like an entire room would be dedicated to just like a Holy spirit symbol in the middle of the room and like flowers and they adorn the entire room. You just pray around it. They were honored. But to me, I think it's like a fear-based honor. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like if I don't do this, something bad will happen to me kind of thing. I feel like ev- all of it feels very fear tied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, if you're supposed to feel honored, then you can't tell anybody if you're annoyed. Right. <laughs> you have to be like, yes, I'm so honored by this. That's so interesting. So excited. I have to buy 97 rolls of toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But I I hated it as a kid. So think of kids your age. Like, I don't want to go pray the rosary at some stranger's house in Portuguese. You know, I, we would go out, all the kids would kind of get together while our parents were inside and we'd go play like manhunt in the woods or something. (laughs) That's funny. Wow. Yeah. See, we never did any of that, but like it's interesting because I feel like we're at least my brand of Catholicism, like the Holy Spirit often left out. Basically, they don't talk about him until you get to um, confirmation. And then they're like, yeah, he's been here the whole time and he'll be your buddy if you need him. But other than that, like we just kind of we were big, we were big Jesus people in Indiana, big Jesus people. Yeah, we were we were much, much more into Jesus than the mm-hmm, spirit, mm-hmm. I would say. So I guess I'm g- glad to know that he's getting the recognition. The Holy Spirit's getting the recognition he needs. Or they, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to gender the Holy Spirit. Exactly. And when I started to try to uncover that on my own, just as a history, like why did they take so much to this like worshiping of the Holy Spirit? They lived on this island and it was very pro it's volcanic island prone to natural disasters. Like it would erupt and they'd have like refugee acts where people were leaving. It would decimate entire cities. So they literally, it was so fear-based and it was so much like, okay, if I don't worship this Holy spirit, the Holy spirit is going to come and like, just ravage this island, ravage this island and and completely wipe us off the map. Like, so it was truly tied to like their livelihood and like their life. Like it felt like for them. Wow. Did you get that energy from your parents growing up? Like, is that something that you could tell when you were younger? No. So because everything was just like, this was just how it was like this, everyone around me was doing the same tradition. I thought it was just a Catholic thing. I didn't realize it was specifically Portuguese tied. Uh, and then not until I started researching it for my own podcast and looking through and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like, this is the people are like this for a reason because of their history and how they, you know, started on this Island. That's super interesting. Will you um, talk a little bit more about your school? I know you said you had some crazy stories from your Catholic school growing up. Oh boy. (laughs) Where to begin? Catholic school. um, We did have nuns. So there were still a couple of nuns remaining when we attended and we were probably in kindergarten in a computer class 
and our computer teacher was a nun and she was the meanest woman. We were terrified of her. She, it was just computers were a brand new thing. It was probably 1992. Okay. So like, it wasn't like nobody had computers in their home. You're five years old. You're trying to learn how to use this thing. You're like pecking and hunting for keys and she's shouting directions at you. And it was just an awful experience completely all around. Wow. I can't imagine a non computer teacher that it's like, that doesn't compute for me for some reason. (laughs) No, it doesn't seem like, like they nuns are just in this like old school realm. Like they just shouldn't even be. Yeah, it's like when you see nuns on TikTok and you're like, you're not supposed to be here. Yeah. <laughs> who, let you, who let you in here? Yeah, when I went to Rome, um, I studied abroad in Rome one summer and I took pictures of nuns like, and I was like, I'm going to make a Tumblr and I'm going to call it nuns in real life. It never went anywhere, but I have like 50 pictures of nuns like eating McDonald's, like smoking a <laughs> cigarette, <laughs> playing the guitar, like the most random things. And I was just like, I don't know why, but seeing nuns do normal person things is just like making my life. <laughs> I feel like that's like would make a really good like coffee table book. Like you need to put that all together into a bound book. Unfortunately, I think it was taken on like my Blackberry in Uh, 2012. So it's not poor quality. Yeah, I don't know that. I mean, it's kind of vintage maybe, but I don't know that anybody wants that. It's definitely the next photographic trend. It's like it was film and then it was like now this like fake digital camera thing. And next it's going to be taken on a Blackberry. Yeah. Razor phones are gonna be like they're gonna come back just so you can take photos on them. That like super that high flash, unflattering. Oh you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yes. I was in the dark. That's so funny. Oh, I hope so. Well, was there any good like positive aspects of your Catholic schooling? Like something you are happy about? That sounds that sounds intense. Um, like a, like, a, for like a positive takeaway, <clears throat> like a unique tradition that you're like, you know what, that was kind of cool. No. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. You're the first to say that. I will say everybody's kind of like, I have this trauma, but here are the positives. (laughs) And you're just like, nope. (laughs) Okay. So one semi-positive, I think is the friendships that you make out of that experience from, you know, they're just such small classrooms, but that would just be at any type of private school that had that, you know, intimate feeling, Mm -hmm. but from the Catholic perspective, not, not really. It was, it was very intimidating. And I think it might've just been a product of the times too, because I feel like they wouldn't necessarily get away with a lot of that stuff in schools today that they got away with back then. Just the, the fear and the, they just, they were just, the discipline was interesting. Like they would shame people. They would embarrass people in front of the classroom like it was just a whole different vibe than today like parents would be running in the school and being like you can't do that to my kid and like back then that was just kids were getting like taunted by their teachers every day we had a priest who was like the main disciplinarian so if you got in trouble and it escalated beyond a teacher or the principal the next level was like you go to the you had to walk across the parking lot to the rectory and go see the priest and like nobody wanted to get in that level of trouble that's scary that's scarier than a principal because it's like it's just like a you know normal vice principal who has a direct line to god yeah (laughs) It's like she should go to hell because she said a bad word in class or something. 
Exactly. Yeah, one time I accidentally bullied someone, so I got that. <laughs> Let's. Could you please elaborate <laughs> on accidentally bullying someone? Um, this kid wouldn't like. Um, he was a little bit odd, and but I was also odd, so I think people thought we were friends. But I found him annoying, and I don't know. One time he was like talking about star trek to me and then i said something that i he like thought i knew and i didn't and so i was pretending to be him at him and i said something like you don't know about trouble with troubles you dumb butt and then he told the teacher he's like she called me a dumb butt (laughs) also i it's not like i'm censoring myself i said dumb butt and (laughs) and so he went up to the teacher and was like by the way said called me a dumb butt and then just left the room and she looked at me and she's like sid is that true and i was like well, yeah, but it's very complicated. I was doing it comedically and I was saying what I thought he would say to me because he was basically about to make fun of me. And she goes, hmm, okay. And then, so she had to write me an infraction and I had to go talk to the vice principal and bullying is supposed to be an automatic detention. And she didn't give me an automatic detention because she like literally wrote on the slip, like, I think there was some confusion, but Sydney was being mean. And oh. <laughs> so, um, I had to like go home and tell my parents about that. And then that, I only got two infractions, all of like my K through eight, which was like 40 people per class, like split into 20 groups, like pretty small. I don't know how big your schools were. And my other one was for, um, the fifth grade teacher was in the lunchroom doing lunch duty and she was telling me to sit down. And I think I like had to go to the bathroom or something. And I was like, no, I can't sit down because she's like, did you just tell me no? And I was like, no, I didn't tell you no, but I would, and she's like, so you're disobeying, disrespecting infraction. And I just sat there and cried for 45 minutes. And she's like, oh, that was a mistake. <laughs> it's like, don't give oh. this girl's infractions. I'll just cry the rest of the day. Oh like, no. So one of the punishments that they gave us, uh, our lunchroom in the school was a f- the former church. So mm-hmm. like they then built a separate standalone church at the school, but the lunchroom was a former church. So there was a stage up in the front, which was really the former altar of the church. And all the lunch tables were around and there was a couple tables up on the altar. And those were kindergarten lunch tables, like really tiny chairs and tables. And our table of our little girls group table got in trouble one day because I think we were talking when they they ring this bell and everyone had to go silent so you could say like bless us oh lord for these are gifts <laughs> oh, yeah. do your little pre-lunch prayer and we were talking through it so we got in trouble and their punishment was that they made us go and eat our lunch up at, on the altar in the kindergarten tables so we had to sit there and the tables we were in like eighth grade so the tables were resting on our legs and the the table legs were no longer touching the floor it was just like levitating on all of our laps as we ate lunch it was that was their shame tactic was go sit up on the the altar in the kindergarten chairs what a strange punishment right (laughs) that was for their enjoyment at the end of the day they were like they didn't do anything that bad so we're just gonna laugh at them right exactly yikes yeah they did a lot they didn't do a lot of shame based I think maybe they did to other kids, but to me, they were like, I don't think she can help it. I think she's just weird. She's doing her best. I was also very much a teacher's pet, but were you a teacher's pet? What was your, were you like a good girl rule follower? Yes. So despite having to sit up on the altar in the kindergarten chairs that one time, (laughs) I was like the straight A student, like lead in the school play, very much following all the rules, never got in trouble, anything like that. I was a little mouthier once I got to high school, but in elementary school, absolutely not. 
Well, I think like being a rule follower all along, by the time you're in high school, you kind of have earned that right. <laughs> like, I feel like I was definitely more open with my teachers than some of my classmates were allowed to be because they were like, she's a good kid. <laughs> like, oh, we, yeah. we know she's nice. Oh, yeah. I was a good kid and I got away with murder because my mom worked at the high school. So everyone like knew me personally and had done jello shots in my home. So I was very buddy buddy with all of the teachers. But sometimes they would say things and I'm like, you can't say that. That's against the church <laughs> as like a high schooler because I knew better. That's at the end of the day, I was smarter than them. I knew more. And it's just, it can be really hard when you see adults make mistakes right in front of you. 16 year olds usually are smarter than adults. So. Yes. Yeah. Right okay, before lunch. Oh, yeah. School? Oh. oh, yeah. I th- as a, in high school, um, I thought so. Definitely in grade school. In high school, I kind of can't remember, but it was like, they only gave us like 25 minutes to eat. By the time you got through the lunch line, you had like 15 minutes to eat. So to take away a few of those precious seconds of prayer. I think a lot of us did it on our own though. And I think it was mostly an excuse to hold my boyfriend's hand. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) you would like stand in a little circle. Um, If anyone from my high school is listening, please let me know if you remember praying or not, because I don't. I'm really picturing you like the the group in EZA, holding (laughs) hands and chanting, where everybody else is just like eating lunch. (laughs) EZA was really hard for me to watch. I was like, what lessons am I supposed to take away from this? Is is sex good or bad? Someone's got to tell me straight up. I don't know. (laughs) Did you have like normal access to media or were you like restricted in any way? Normal access to media. So my media of choice, like my parents were working. So after schools, I'd go to like my grandparents' house who they didn't even speak English. So I was just like full range on the TV. And I had one side, one grandmother was like, that's the devil because I'd be watching like MTV spring break Mm -hmm. programming (laughs) and they're all grinding up on each other in this school. And my grandmother would literally in Portuguese, she would be yelling at me like that's the devil that's the devil turn that off and then I had a grandmother on my other side of the family that I would go to and I would watch Jerry Springer with her and that was her favorite show favorite program so great because she didn't know English and all she saw was like all the fighting and she was just like this is amazing like this I can understand I can understand what's going on because they're just pulling each other's hair and whatnot so that's a good way to learn English I think (laughs) you want to learn really aggressive really mad English well they also (laughs) probably talk very fast oh um um I just went on vacation with some friends from college and like the only thing we had access to was Roku but it was only the Roku channels which is just an entire television show just running constantly so there was a Mori t- channel there was a tiny house nation channel like the HGTV like tiny house building show all kinds of random things and so we watched some Jerry Springer and let me tell you every single word of that show is just as offensive as it gets <laughs> It's like, they I don't had, think I've ever watched it. They had like, it was like the first full episode of Jerry Springer I had ever watched. I was pretty much allowed to watch whatever I wanted, but we weren't allowed to watch um, like Beavis and Butthead. Jerry Springer was a no. Um, my mom hated King of Queens, but I think she just hates Kevin J- James. That's his name, right? I think so. Um, and anyway, but I also like, I wouldn't watch things where people fought that I like censored myself that way. I was like, that's very dirty. That's mean. Those people are bad. But I'm so glad that you watched a lot of Jerry Springer. That's incredible. That is really funny. I do think that my mom still has an Eminem CD in like 
the her end table next to her bed that she hid from me because she took it. It was an ex- explicit version, one of the first Eminem CDs. And she was like, you can't listen to this. This is terrible. And she threw it in her her bedroom drawer. And I think it still lives there to this day, like 20 years later. You yes. have to let us know if you go back. Yeah. Look for it. <laughs> exactly. It. Give it a fresh listen. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. So do you think that um, your religious experience, like, were you bought in on it? Were you like, I love Jesus and I am going to do all the stuff that I'm supposed to do? Or were you kind of just like biding your time to get out and make your own life choices? So I was definitely not bought in. I felt like I was force, force bought in, you know, like I was going through the motions and doing the things I needed to do, but I never would say that I had, I had this fear relationship with God and Jesus, because it was kind of like, oh shit, he's watching me. I need to make sure I'm doing good things. Cause I bought into all the fear and the guilt and all of that, but not from the sense of like, I'm going to go out and join the youth group or do any of that stuff because I really am bought in on Jesus, you know? So it, yeah. that, that was kind of the way it was for me growing up. And then I got a little older and started to unpack it a little bit more. Yes. Well, that's a perfect segue to our next segment. Um, We would love to know what made you sad. Sounds like we got a sneak peek. um... (laughs) What didn't make me sad? Let's just put it that way. There was just so many things about the religion as I started to kind of come into adulthood that felt like they were just in direct conflict with either how I was living my life or how, you know, people I cared about were living their lives. And it just felt like, I'm like, I'm okay. I'm making all these exceptions. Like, okay, I'm a Catholic, but they don't agree with this about my lifestyle or they don't agree with that about my lifestyle. And then it got to the point where it was like too many exceptions. Like I was breaking all the rules that you were supposed to be following to be a Catholic. And I'm like, am I a Catholic still? (laughs) Like, is this a thing? Um, And I guess, for example, I think actually, Becca, I think this might've been how we first connected on TikTok. I had posted something on one of your videos where I was talking about the priest during like the pre-cana sessions for my wedding he he started going into all this you know questions about our relationship and whether we were living together or not and I told him that my boyfriend and I at the time were living together before marriage and he was like well you should really consider not wearing a white dress to the wedding and I was like are you serious (laughs) like they would still let you get married in the church they would still let me, but I should consider more of an off-white or a cream or a beige <laughs> because I was no longer pure enough for a white dress. That That is really interesting to me because I would think it would be more like Sid was saying like, or like a, you need to take a vow of celibacy until you get married or like whatever it may be. So I definitely have heard of people when they're engaged, like not having sex or anything to be like saving like short-term saving yourself for marriage. They had had sex before. Yeah. Interesting. But I don't think they would consider themselves to be born again virgins. So it was more of just like a thing that they felt like they should do to make marriage like more special, I guess. Definitely where I'm from, if you lived together, it was like, do you have a really good reason? Do you have a really (laughs) good reason? Was the house free? Are you (laughs) a million dollars a year? Um, In separate beds, right? In separate beds. 1950s style. Yes. Um, it was, that was like a big deal. And I remember being in theology class 
and we had found out another teacher did live with her boyfriend before they got married and they, my, like the theology teacher was trying to be like well you know in certain circumstances that you have to get cleared by the church the bishop has to like depose you or whatever um so that was like a big basically yeah it's kind of same with becca they were like sex is so bad it's so bad and if you're having it you are a bad person how many more times can we tell you until you get married and then it's amazing automatically <laughs> yeah then you should be having it all the time and procreating yeah, yeah. all the time legally all the time especially when you're ovulating more sex the better <laughs> you what ovulation is but not how it works no 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 okay that's i actually have this question because i feel like the having lots of kids thing is less of a thing in the protestant church so is it is it like to create more catholics is that the vibe or is it just like what's the kind of meaning behind encouraging you to have sex all the time yeah yeah it's to it's to um it's to have more members of the church definitely and it's also a kind of thing where like you should be having unprotected sex and if god gives you a child then god gets you a child and like believes that you can um take a take on this like I was gonna say burden and that's not <laughs> as a mother yes it's a burden <laughs> does this tell you anything about our life stage um, um yeah basically it's for that but I think that feels now as an adult like a money-making scheme like I'm like that's a pyramid scheme like, oh there's more more. Time more. <laughs> it's more people for the collection yeah. Oh we, my we need more singers. We need we need cool kids who are good at drums. And where are we gonna get these cool kids who are good at drums? <laughs> you gotta have a whole handbell team. Yeah, and if you don't have at least 12 kids, you can't have a handbell team. If you're not carting a tiny orchestra in a 12 passenger van, you're actually not a lot of the church. Sorry. You're not helping Catholicism. Yes. Yeah, so I at least that's to my understanding. Um, yeah, you're bestowed the gift of a child and it's like it, it can get really serious like there are members of my community who like kept having children um even after like sets of miscarriages and like doctors are like it is not safe for you to continue like please consider birth control in some way and then they would continue and like harm their bodies more but that is bad that's bad <laughs> anyways so do you want to hear about the oh, yes birth control video that they made me watch during my pre-cana. Yes, yes, we yes, do. Yes. <laughs> NFP. What is it? NFP, natural family planning. Oh, maybe. Okay. Yeah, maybe. And then we can, we'll touch base after. Uh, <laughs> so, so as part, there was like a whole checklist of things you had to do before marriage. And one of them was that you had to go and watch this video on birth control after marriage because they don't believe in condoms and other forms of normal contraception that people would use. So they sent me to this church basement and I was in a new city. So this wasn't like my home church. It was some new church that I was getting married in. And they sent me to this church basement with this woman and she rolled over one of those like classic old school TVs that they brought into the classrooms in the nineties, pops in a VHS tape. And I am watching this Catholic birth control video where they literally it's based on your vaginal discharge. Mm -hmm. So you're like just basically charting your cycle by feeling your discharge between your fingers and kind of spreading your fingers apart with the discharge in them. And depending on what the discharge did, that was like where you were in your cycle. And that's how you could 
naturally prevent a pregnancy. If you were so choosing to do that, you would just not, you would avoid certain periods of time when your discharge was a little stringier than normal. (laughs) And this was video, VHS video of this discharge. (laughs) What was the substance they were using? I do not know. <laughs> what do you think about that? I was just like, oh, it's obviously real. <laughs> I, I, like, not. I don't know. Not, what you think they could hire a special effects team for this video? <laughs> egg white, egg whites, I, definitely I, egg whites, yeah, right? I was going to say like, I, you but then that's, slime in school. But then that's so vibe. misleading because if you're watching that and you're like trying to use that technique and it like doesn't appear like actual discharge, then you're not going to really know what it's like. My I'm team. It was probably real. <laughs> Um, but we did have, we were taught that in high school and, um, we had our male theology teacher describe his, the temperature of his wife's vagina every day. Yes. No. Yes. No. Um, and we watched, uh, so our natural family planning video, we didn't actually like, it wasn't as graphic as yours, but we did have one that like described natural family planning and its importance. And, um, it'd be this couple and they're like, someone interviews them talking head style and they're like, well, what do you do? Like when you are like interested in each other, but it's the time of the month you can't be having sex. Actually, I don't think they said sex one time in this whole video um, because it's a bad word. And, and they look at each other and they go, we play board games. <laughs> and we, like my friends and I would say board games to each other all the time as a joke. Oh my gosh. Like, like I took purity very seriously, but even that was like still another level for me. I was like, no, <laughs> no, not board games. And the way they said it, we're like, they fuck a lot. Like they oh. fuck so much that like they physically have to play boggle to keep <laughs> their hands off of each other. That was the vibe they were giving off. I was just going to say, what games do you think they were playing? Like, was it like some phallic game? Sure. Like. <laughs> Um, it was sorry because that's what they were. <laughs> nice. Nice. Sid's a comedian, everybody. Roasted, oh. roasted this poor couple who probably has 25 children. Um, but the thing about natural family planning is it's really not meant to prevent pregnancies. It's actually like meant to help you have children and know like your time you're ovulating. So it's not very effective. But it's the same right. Right. The apps work, the ones that you're not supposed to have anymore because they steal your data. Mm. Um, the like fertility tracking apps, those were created for women who were trying to get pregnant. And then they realized there was like a bigger market for people trying not to get pregnant. Mm. And so that's why they kind of skewed it that way. But it's like not good birth control. Like, no, I know of a like friend of a friend who thinks that was part of her problems that she was like tracking her thing. And like the app doesn't know how viscous your <laughs> discharge is. You gotta do it manually. You gotta, you gotta get gotta in that reach. church basement. <laughs> you gotta reach down there. <laughs> oh, that I is- just couldn't believe it though, because it wasn't even like a, oh, an every morning thing. It, it seemed like in the VHS, like they were just out and about, like, like you're just, you're at Applebee's and you're just... <laughs> Well, you know, you might need to bang in the Applebee's and before you do check your discharge. Well, cause there's no board games to prevent you from having sex <laughs> at the Applebee's. You have to, you have to bring a, a um, you have to go to Cracker Barrel. That's the only safe place. You have to bring a thing of a deck of Uno cards just set any time. If you get the urge, <laughs> you can play Uno. Lord oh. almighty. Oh my goodness. Wow. Okay. I'm, I'm about to do some pre-marriage counseling and I don't think it's going to be like that, but we'll see. <laughs> Did they set you up with like a cup, like a sponsor couple? 
I don't think so. So it's definitely way less intense in like non-Catholic church, I think. Um, I don't, I don't really know. My mom was saying she's not sure what our church does. And we just got a new preacher and he told my mom, he's very liberal. (laughs) So he was like, think to the left and then go even further. That's where I am. And I was like, okay, great. I can get married now. Um, so I think it'll probably be like, I, I think it's pretty practical. Like, I think they talk to you about like budgeting and like, if you want, children and where you want to send your children to school and stuff like that the stuff that people don't talk about I guess but we'll see we'll find out right yeah we had a sponsor couple that we had to go and sit and meet with like I don't know maybe four or five times we had to just show up at these strangers homes and then they would just talk to us about their marriage and the problems in their marriage and I'm like I really don't care about this like whatsoever and like how he almost strayed and then he came back and I'm like I don't even know you people <laughs> like it was very awkward they're like marriage counseling is expensive we'll just get this young couple to talk to <laughs> us instead we'll just talk at them and it'll work very well oh no not the one-on-one testimony I mean it's probably good in some ways because I don't know I'm a big comparison person so I'm constantly like is this normal like if we had an argument once a week is that normal or is that too much like I I'm big on that so like maybe it's good to normalize like these are issues people go through and now you guys can get talking about them before but it does seem like trauma dumping to an extent (laughs) Yeah. So I, I mean, I can definitely get on board with that. That seems like a smart approach to it. Just here's a couple that's been married for a long time. It's not all roses, but then they were just a little too preachy about some stuff. And like, they started going into like, you know, IVF and like, so if you can't conceive naturally, what are you thinking of doing? And you know, the church is against this, this and that. And so it was just a very awkward conversation. And at that point in time, we didn't know if we were going to be able to conceive or not, but we we were open to all options. And I did end up having my daughter through IVF years later, but it just seemed like, I was like, oh, here's just another part of my lifestyle that the church doesn't agree with, you know? Does the church not agree with IVF? Oh, no. Because no. I guess if God wants you to be pregnant. I don't know if it's just because it's not natural. Like yeah. you're, it's removed from the body. And we were taught it's because and I, you have had, you've gone through IVF. So obviously my, um, sophomore year of high school education on how IVF works is probably wrong. Um, but we were told it was because you are creating multiple embryos and you're not all, they're not all with the intention of life. So like you're, you're like over preparing. So there are some babies that cannot be born. So like that is a, because technically they've already been conceived if it's an embryo. So if you like in Catholicism, like life begins at conception, they've already been conceived. And so it's considered like an abortion in that way. Oh, so the 12 embryos that I have still stored up in a freezer somewhere for the past five years. That's oh, not you can good. Store them. You just have to it's make not, sure it's not all, 12, <laughs> all 12 of them you're saddled. Congrats on your orchestra. I have to pay $700 a year to keep those in the freezer with no intent of using them just so I don't go to hell. <laughs> yes, basically. Yeah. Or you can give them out. I think you could hand them out to people who want them. I think that would work. I'm not sure the, I'm not sure the ethics on that in the church or personally, but that is from my understanding why the Catholic Church doesn't agree with IVF. Which no, that makes sense. Yeah. Also, another big sticking point for a lot of people because there were like people in my school who that's how they were conceived, and they're like, yeah. I mean, your your parents are probably fine, but it is bad. 
Yeah. Interesting. Well, that is like, I'm sorry. I'm like, I can't believe you learned about IVF in school. (laughs) That is so far from my sex education that we got. How else are we going to yell at people on the March for Life? (laughs) We didn't know about (laughs) IVF. So yeah, you, you seem like your school was like way more educational than the schools I went to. Educational about the wrong things. Like, like I can do I say this all the time but like I can say the rosary in three languages in Latin Spanish and English for what is my is my English prayer not good enough for you God <laughs> I need to be speaking Latin um and yeah like our theology classes were really intense and our senior year we had to take apologetics which was like defense of the Catholic faith so they really made it seem like people would be running up to us in the middle of college and be like I heard you worship Mary what's that about and then we'd have to like defend that we had to write pamphlets and hand them out um it was a really intense Catholic education but pretty much everyone I knew was Catholic kind of like you like it just seemed really normal and then I got to college and I was like huh, some people aren't doing these things and they are not on fire. So maybe I don't want to do that. Like, and it was like you, like I, it was never a big step back. It was like, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. I don't know about this. And I think that's the story for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Although when you tell people you used to be really religious, everyone, and, and like, they didn't come from that kind of place. A lot of people think that it's like a, oh, one day your life exploded. And like, that's why, but no, it's not like that for basically anybody. I know we talk about that a lot. Mm-hmm. It, it is definitely all the little things. Like even when I was in high school, there were some kids attending the school that weren't Catholic. And I'm just like, well, your life seems pretty good. Like, it doesn't seem like you're having a bad time. Like, why, why am I like having all this Catholic guilt and fear and all that? If you're just kind of out here, just living and your life's still pretty decent. Yeah. Well, I have to say, I don't have Catholic guilt, but I got guilt somewhere. <laughs> so I carry quite a bit of shame to have been raised Protestant. Wait, so was it a question for you whether or not you would get married in a Catholic church? No, because I, f- so I got married 10 years ago. So I still hadn't fully progressed th- mm. to the stage that I'm at now, but also to appease my parents. So even baptizing my daughter, which was only five years ago, I could have gone either way. I could have been like, Oh, I'll baptize her or not baptize her. But it was, I had to go through with it to appease my parents. And I don't know if I'll have another kid at some point or not, but if I ever did have another kid, I'm at the point where I'm like, I'm not baptizing them. Like I I've gone a little too far off the, the spectrum, but I think that my generation now is the generation that'll kind of break it because my daughter, if she chooses to accept any religion, that's fine. If she chooses to not, that's fine. And she's not going to have to do anything to appease me. It's going to have to be whatever she can believe in, whatever she wants to, or chooses to believe in, but it's not going to be because she feels like she needs to do it for her parents, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. That's really interesting. That's wonderful. Yeah. I think we, we're, so I'm I'm getting married in my church as I said and I like always kind of wanted to get married in my church and then I think my parents were surprised by that because my mom was like we had kind of talked about whether or not that was a thing that we really cared about and I was like well I have a pretty church <laughs> like I have fond memories of it like honestly my church wasn't like super negative and so I'm like I don't know as long as they don't like come out as being really bad in the next couple months I think it's a good place to get married but 
at the same time, like my fiance's parents are very Catholic and they've kind of accepted the fact that like, he's not Catholic anymore, but I think they like the fact that my family's religious. And so I think that getting married in a church was kind of like the easiest, like no one's going to be mad if we're getting married in a church period. (laughs) So um, that was definitely like part of the, the choice. There's definitely like that nostalgic component to it. So it's as much as I like in my mind want to distance myself from it. I'm like, this is my whole childhood. This is how I grew up. There's, there's all that nostalgia tied to it. So it's interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting. So you are, you don't go to church at all anymore. You're kind of. No. And the priest made sure he let me know about that when I went to ask for a godparent sponsor form. So I don't know if either of you have ever, or if you've ever done like a godparent thing, but you're supposed to go and get a sponsor form from your church, Mm -hmm. particularly if the the baby's being baptized in some other church, which was the case for all my godchildren. And every time I would go, so I got married in this church and then pretty much never went again. And so then I returned to be like, Hey, can you sign this godparent form for me? And he was like, let me check my books here and see how much you've contributed to the church over the past several years. And he literally just went to his financial accounting and said that I had not contributed enough. And so I had to make up all these lies and like, I travel on the weekends and I've just been attending a different church on my travels. Wait, so they can just like reject you? Apparently, apparently. Yeah, they can. We don't have confidence in my... Um, oh brand of religion <laughs> because they, they um the whole point of a godparent at least in catholicism is like you are there to help nurture their faith mm-hmm. so if you are not a practicing catholic then you do not get to be a godparent kind of thing so yeah they'll check yes um, they did and i i totally get that but for me the godparent was more like a like, that's oh, not how it is culturally absolutely right right yeah. right <sighs> yeah I know somebody who was a godparent and they kind of like, I think they're going to lie their way through the sponsorship form as well. And then they were like, I didn't like, you have to hold your hand over a Bible. Right. Or did you? Oh no, they didn't. It was, this was email. I was emailing the priest, my oh, lies. Like, in the actual baptism. Did you have to like, when you like swear into your godparenthood? Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. And she was like, I kind of just went like didn't really affirm or like kind of hovered her hand over the Bible, didn't put it on the Bible when it was like, I promised to raise this child in the Catholic church. Um, and she's like, I kind of lied to God. And I was like, yeah. if this child goes to hell, it's your fault. This was a long time ago. And I was like, you can't do that. You can't do that. It was like when I would hear people be like, yeah, one time I went to Catholic mass and I was kind of like had the little cracker. I was like, you had the little cracker. <laughs> okay, well, it's so embarrassing to just sit there. It is so embarrassing. I, I went to a Catholic mass when I was like probably in high school and everybody got up and they went in the line and I had to sit there with my friend's little brother who was like five. And I was like, I look like a heathen. I look like a loser. Everybody's <laughs> going to get communion and I'm not allowed. Well, you just cross your arms and then the father gives you a little blessing. Well, I didn't and know it's better that at the time. So I, there. I know, but even that, that just no. like the arm crossing seems so like anti-religious. <laughs> well, like if you are like going to a Catholic school or whatever, we would all be like, why do you think she's crossing her arms today? Like, do you think she committed some big sin last night? What? Why is she crossing her arms? She, she doesn't to- deserve the body of Christ broken Basically. for her. <laughs> no, truly. Like we would gossip about like, did you see... That was like high gossip. 
He wow. broke a ten, one of the Ten Commandments for it. sure. Then, oh, is that what happened? So you can't receive communion unless you're in good standing. So someone so she killed someone. <laughs> well, I mean, or she like cheated or gossiped, or she had sex the night before, like made out. Sex her is not a commandment. Um, yeah, but that would put you outside of good standing with okay. God, technically, I guess. I don't know. Gotcha. Um, it's a sin. I just that was always my thing in college. I was like, y'all are so obsessed with the sex thing, but there's really ten rules, and that's not one of them. Well, they kind of they kind of made the uh, the one. adultery one yeah. yeah they would spend you're that cheating on god you're cheating on god they would spin that into like you're cheating on your future husband yes. or wife we did a heterosexual person we yeah. did hear that one where you're married to god until the day you get married and then god is like you're there were so many metaphors and when you put them all together no they are bizarre like god is giving you away at your wedding which means you're married to god which means you're married to your dad which is really weird <laughs> but yeah like the story doesn't check all the way yeah. out like they're like, we need to, we need to group together on our <laughs> metaphors. We need to make sure we're telling the right consistent story. These kids are poking holes. No. So at the adultery commandment, when we were in middle school, we'd have to go to confession all the time. And mm-hmm. I don't know why or where some of the boys in our class got the impression that if they masturbated, that was adultery. So they all just started confessing to adultery to the priest and at like the ripe age of like 11. And it was just like the weirdest thing. Like, I don't think you know what that word means. (laughs) Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. That's can you imagine just like an 11 year old comes and sits and like, I committed adultery. I hundred percent can. Indeed. And they're like, they feel so bad about it. They're crying about it. And then they go home and do it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Dang. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, then would you like to, um, submit something to the good girl glossary, which for the listeners, the good girl glossary is the definitive list of people, places, and things that made us good girls. We have a new, yes. def- a new definition. It's very good. We Thank love you. it. Good yeah. job, sis. <laughs> it's basically, um, it's nouns, but I, I repurposed the definition of a noun. <laughs> I noticed that with like the people, places and things. I like that. <laughs> we took third grade. <laughs> yes. I was learning phonics and IVF. That was it. <laughs> nice. Yes. So I do want to propose a, an addition to the good girl glossary. And my addition would be kindergarten besties which we talked a little bit about at the beginning where Catholic school just kind of gives you this lifelong friendship just because of the nature of the small classrooms. And it's just people that you end up going through this experience with and staying in contact with forever. I have 20, 30 plus year friendships with a ton of people from the Catholic school era of my life. Uh, My podcast co-host I met in kindergarten and we actually were just both in a which is wild. I know. Wild. And, <laughs> and we were both in a wedding last year where the bride was part of our like elementary school and all of the bridal party was from this Catholic elementary school, which was the coolest thing ever. That's very cool. Oh, that's so cool. Did she get married um, in at, like, at the church? She did not. No. So it was also, so I don't even know the answer to this, but it was a lesbian wedding. And I don't know if, does the church not do that? Oh, no. Like the state isn't even happy about it, let alone the Catholic church. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so yes, it was yeah. not in the church. So most of your class, you would say like a lot of them have taken a big step back. 
Um, I definitely know my podcast co-host and some, some folks are still not stepping back. Okay. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. But there's a whole bunch of us that have. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's such an interesting thing about childhood friends because so like my, I'm still friends with most of my childhood friends and a lot of them were conservative when we were in high school and probably part, I'm not sure when the transition happened, but like Trump happened and all of a sudden people were being very vocal. And I was like, oh, you guys are Democrats. (laughs) When did that happen? Um, And I was, I was raised like to be pretty liberal. My parents are like, I just remember my parents sitting me down and being like, we're bummed about Al Gore. (laughs) Just so you know, (laughs) like everyone else is really happy, but we're not thrilled. Um, But now like all my friends are on the same page and like, we've kind of become adults who like I think if we met as adults we would still be friends which is just bizarre that you can make a friend at like age four Mm -hmm. and then at 29 you're still the same level of friends and like I don't see them as much I don't talk to them as much as like my friends here or whatnot and I'm still like the second we're together I'm like you're my best friend yeah it's great like I moved out of state too so it's not like I've been in the area since college I've been gone for 12 years already, but we still talk every day. It's kind of crazy. Wow. I, cool. I love the kindergarten besties. I do think that there's something like, I don't know. I think to be a good girl, you have to be a girl who gets along with girls. Like, <laughs> I don't think if you're like, you know, girls don't like me type girl. Like, I don't think you would identify with this podcast. <laughs> Or, or you were just a specific type or you just had one really good friend because no girls didn't like you they liked to bully you and I'm here I'm here to represent the girls who got asked out as a prank um that is oh, that's just in movies that's not real no I did I got asked out as a prank that's sad and I'll tell but then story. but then you took your glasses off and all was right in the no, world right actually my hair is 100% and Hathaway pre-makeover that's oh. They straightened her hair. She got a blowout, which I'm bitter about. And I, I saw somebody talk about this on TikTok and I agree. Curly hair is cool. And they, like the early 2000s were like, it's actually evil. Taylor Swift had to straighten her hair and Hathaway had to get a blowout. Like, and now everyone's like, I wish my hair was curly. And it's like, Hmm, well, people with curly hair. And I, I will stand by this. Once they figure out how to wear it, which is a challenge yes once you figure out how to wear it your curly hair looks better on you than straight hair does and there's always the curly hair girls who straighten their hair every single day and they're beautiful too I'm not gonna take that away from them just like then you see their hair curly and you're like yeah you're made to have curly hair like your face shape is for curly hair like everything about you is a curly haired person and you're just suppressing your truth that's God's divine design Mm -hmm. I haven't, I mean, that's probably against the church then to straighten your curly hair, right? Unnatural. <laughs> God gave you curly hair. I don't know, but, but he also gave you a straightener. Yeah, He also gave you a straightener. I don't know. My church was a little bit like, you want to conform? Sounds good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Crushed it. Well, I absolutely um, second the kindergarten besties, best besties into the good girl glossary. And I third it. All right. And then we'll do a little. Um, are you ready to play a little game? We prepared a little game for you. I'm a little scared, but yeah. Oh, do not be scared. They're, they're um, always fun. It's the least important trivia of your life. Basically. And we always like tailor it to the person. So it's never going to be like, we're not going to force mm-hmm. you to say something that you've never heard of. Um, I, I will say before we get started, what was like, what were the saints vibes? Were you guys like really into saints? Not very into saints? 
We were into saints. I couldn't like, I'm not like a saint expert by any stretch, mm-hmm. but that's, you know, funny. we, we had our like saints that you pray to when you lost something in the house, you know, St. Yes. Anthony and all that, right. You bury an up- upside down St. Anthony in the yard or something. Yes. You know about that? No. You bury it. That's, that's the whole thing. You oh, it's it. like burying a bur- bourbon. What is that? that people do burying bourbon. I've never do you heard know about this. No. Do you know about it? No. Okay. It's a thing that people in the South do before their weddings, but like, like, I'm not going to do it because I don't know what it means, obviously. <laughs> but it's something like you bury bourbon and then you dig it out a month before your wedding. And it like ensures like a clear skies on your wedding day or something. Oh, the St. Anthony thing what was the name of the St. I think that is also like a Northeast thing from what I understand. Oh, in general. So do you guys not do like Mary in the bathtub either? No. <laughs> in like What's the front in- yard? People have just like a Mary statue in the front yard with a bathtub behind it. Oh, 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 that I have seen. We uh, no, did not participate (laughs) like, like a bird bath or like a literal bathtub, like a literal bathtub, like a, like a big white ceramic thing, (laughs) like, like a clawfoot tub that was like cut in half and stuck out there. Why? (laughs) Do you really want to (laughs) know? I actually really know. So I think it was post-World War II the people were trying to get rid of clawfoot tubs because those were out and people were going to the more like one piece tub shower situation that you know in homes now and they were really difficult to get rid of so instead like to dispose of so they would literally just oh let's just put this tub around this mary this was like a catholic thing and i think it actually had portuguese origins as well but in the area that i'm from that's all you see is just mary in a bathtub wow funny that I've only like, yeah, I've only kind of seen it. That's definitely wasn't a thing where I'm from. There would be like ornate Mary statues, just like Mary weeping in your backyard was very casual. People did things like that, but okay. Hmm. So the name of this game is oh, I wanna What's the name of the game? Don't patronize me. And um, basically I'm going to give you, well, we're going to switch back and forth. Um, we're going to give you a saint and we're going to ask you if they're the patron saint of x or y and you just have to guess okay i'm gonna be terrible are you ready so saint barbara is she the patron saint of fireworks or feral animals oh gosh feral animals the answer is fireworks um and the story's interesting so barbara was the daughter of a wealthy heathen named dioscorus i also copy and pasted these definitions off of like allsaints.com, you know, which only gets traffic on October 31st and November 1st. Um, real ones know why. Um, Dioscorus, um, when she converted to Christianity, he decided the best way to demonstrate his displeasure would be to have her beheaded. Um, and he did it himself. He beheaded his own daughter, that's right. But while coming home from beheading his daughter, he was struck down by lightning and died. And everyone says that that was St. Barbara getting back at her dad. So gatekeep gaslight girl boss. Wait, what? (laughs) He was beheading her so that he could convert her? No, no. She converted. He was was like an atheist and she converted to Christianity. And he's like, no daughter of mine's going to be a Christian and chopped her head off. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I heard that as he wanted to convert her to Christianity and he beheaded her. And I'm like, well... Where was the end goal there? Like <laughs> he was trying to baptize. He accidentally got an axe instead of a little drop of water. <laughs> and happens oh to the God. best of us. I have a question. How recent are the saints? Like Mother Teresa was a saint, right? 
Um, Mother Teresa, has she been canonized? I'm not sure. So you go through this whole process to become a saint. First, you are um, beatified. So that's when you're blessed X, Y, or Z. And that's when you're... Um, your miracles are under investigation um because there's like a little basically like fbi kind of crime unit at the vatican and they investigate the validity of mysteries or sorry miracles um and so i know all about this because the patron saint of my high school was beatified and then became a saint while i was attending so it was like a very big deal people like went to the canonization they normally canonize like two to three a year it's like a big party um Yes. So, but most saints are old, 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 but there are them, but they, they exist like all over time, but there are also a few that are like absolutely just like corrupt, bad people that were um, canonized by corrupt, bad popes. So I was just going to say, I'm sure the investigation team does not take bribery whatsoever. Oh, probably not. No, no, but I don't think mother, I think mother Teresa is still blessed mother Teresa. I don't know if she's a saint yet. Or so some questions, do you mm-hmm. have to die? Yes, you have to be dead. That's rule number one. Okay. Second question. How do people find out about your miracles like in the old days? Like when you got struck down by lightning, did somebody have to like go to the church and be like, yo, pretty sure she did it after she died. That's the miracle. Yes. But you also have to have three miracles. What were her other ones? I don't, I don't know everything about St. Barbara, but I will come back if you, whatever you need, I will come back and do my research. Also on like a lot of old, old saints, it's kind of just like, I don't know, we were vibing. We thought it'd be funny. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I think the rules have gotten more strict and more written down. It sounds like they're always martyrs or like the women, at least. A lot of the women are martyrs because that, because they don't want to have sex with people um, who are forcing them to have sex with them. Yeah. That's a lot of them for the women, which is why I couldn't find a lot of women that weren't depressing. Um, Yeah. So the light one was getting beheaded. When okay. I was looking, but um, kind of I, do, I like it. But being a martyr, I think it kind of counts as a miracle. It definitely gives you points in the saint category. Great. All right. Becca's going to read you number two. Okay. Sorry for the diversion. <laughs> number two, Saint Drogo. Is he the patron saint of unattractive people or the patron saint of hot people? This can't be real. <laughs> Who do you think needs it the most? <laughs> Oh, the, uh, the unattractive people. <laughs> I caught myself. I didn't want to say ago, but I feel like said, you kind of gave it away by saying hot people. Cause I don't know that the Catholic church has an official saint of hot people, but I mean, I'll find them. They probably have a patron saint of the vein or something. Like mm-hmm. there's probably something. And there, there's there. also probably like Teresa, the beautiful or something like mm-hmm. that. I'm sure there's one of those. Okay. Well, I have to read his story. Cause this is <laughs> iconic (laughs) during a pilgrimage he was stricken with disease that caused gross deformities the townsfolk were nice enough to offer him a small cell attached to the church where he wouldn't frighten babies anymore (laughs) there's nothing better that you can say disabilities like that is how the website worded it you know it could be a bad translation or something but (laughs) there is a website that says that somewhere saints.com all right Number three, St. Dennis of Paris, patron saint of dolphins or headaches? Headaches. It's headaches. Although you know the Catholic Church loves to be like, turtles need a saint. And if they do, it's Kateri, 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 Takakawitha. There we go. What is that? She is a saint. She's the first. She was the first, one of the first saints of the Americas. She's a Native American woman who was converted to Catholicism. That has its own implications. 
but St. Thomas of Paris is the patron saint of headaches. Congratulations. Um, and I know headaches are boring, but it's because he got beheaded and then his head just kept talking. That's <laughs> that was his miracle. Oh, no, stop. What a miracle. <laughs> the audacity of men to just not shut up, you know? <laughs> he oh must have been God. annoying because that wouldn't be a miracle. <laughs> Be like, oh, no, still? Okay, you're ready. Okay, number four, St. Giles. Was he the patron saint of breastfeeding or kitchen appliances? Breastfeeding. That's right. The patron saint of breastfeeding was a man. He was a man. <laughs> he was a hermit who sustained himself on just the milk of a deer, not actually a human woman. Uh, what? <laughs> so he did breastfeed. Not from a woman. Catholics also famously loved living in caves. That was a big thing for a lot of people. They would just go off, stay in a cave. Oh my gosh. He's sucking on the teat of a deer. Yep. And then he gets to be a saint for that. Mm -mm. I don't love that, Giles. Especially if he chose that life. Like that's... That's like... Suspicious. Bestiality now, right? Like, isn't that like a whole... (laughs) Straight to jail in 2022. Yeah. And the Catholic Church kind of outed themselves on that one. They could have just been like, patron saint of dairy. No, it had to be breastfeeding specifically. (laughs) Number five, St. Balthazar. Is he the patron saint of playing card manufacturers or soap opera performers? Soap opera performers. It is the patron saint of playing card manufacturers. So random. (laughs) And the story, this is a dumb story. It's only because Balthazar is one of the three kings. Kings, face cards, that's it. That's the connection. Wait, what? Like, these are, I don't know why, but some of these things seem like, like I think saints are, like, ancient. And then some of these uh, things seem too current <laughs> to I, be associated with I an ancient saint. Well, well, also, they will, like, they'll just attribute things as they kind of, like, come into being, Right. So St. Balthazar literally went to like go see Jesus the first 30 days he was born. So obviously old, there was no playing cards then. Unless there's, they were, maybe there were playing cards then. I don't know. But the manufacturers of it all is what I'm confused about. But that's what the website said as well. Literally, I'm just imagining like Balthy's been on this list for like 200 years. <laughs> we gotta give him something. <laughs> They're like, oh shoot, we need to give Balthazar a... <laughs> something must be playing cards okay your last one are you ready all yep. right saint adelaide of italy is she the patron saint of princesses or step parents step parents this one is actually a trick question it's both ah so got it right she was born a princess of france had to get married as a teen in italy and then had a really evil stepson so plot twist She's the patron saint of step parents because sometimes you have bad stepchildren, oh. um, but she was not an evil stepmother. So that's the plot twist there. Crazy. I've never seen that angle. Dynamic. I know. A little switcheroo. Where's the feature film? Let's uh, write it. <laughs> animated movie coming up. Actually, I feel like there's like horror movies about that. Right? Yeah, that's yeah, true. That's true. Disney doesn't really do evil children. <laughs> Just evil women. <laughs> Just evil women. All right. Well, you c- congrats. You did great. You won. You won. <laughs> Are we all, we're all winners here. We're all winners here. You beat the house. And you made it to the, end of the podcast. So that's, that's the treat in and of itself. You don't have to keep unpacking religious trauma. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. That was, that was very fun. Actually, I 
I love this game every time. We've played it in our live show a couple times. A reminder to the listeners that we do have a live we show. Have live shows. Um, and we it's always a fun one because it's like, why do you have a saint for that thing? <laughs> Who and and why do they decide they like one day they were like, God, those playing card manufacturers, they could really they use really, somebody. Times have been tough. Like during COVID, it's like they were making so many playing cards, people to play at home that they needed a saint to pray to. That's probably fair. Yeah. You know, fair enough. Yeah. Um, was there anything as we wind down that you would, we call it passing the offertory plate. Is there anything you would like to plug? Uh, sure. You can follow me on my TikTok account and I have links to everywhere else, including my culture podcast in my bio there. So my handle is at Mel Ann Coley. It's M E L A N N, as in my confirmation saint. Yes. <laughs> C O L E Y. Nice. nice, nice and nice. tell us the name of your podcast so our listeners can check it out. So the name of it is It's Called Culture. So it's called It's Called Culture. <laughs> Love it. Love that. All right, Becca? Yes, you can follow me on Instagram at the Becca Stevenson or TikTok and Twitter at the real underscore Becca. Um, and you can follow me, Sid, at Sid period, the period King on Instagram and TikTok. You can follow me on Twitter, Sid J King. Um, I mostly just retweet my sister. And uh, if you want to follow me on Letterboxd, I'd love to talk about the fact I saw Pause of Fury with somebody. If any of you else, if anybody else out there made it through that film in theaters. Um, and you can follow us, the good girls, um, on TikTok and Instagram at Good Girls Gone Sad. You can email us your submissions to the Good Girl Glossary, anything you want to unpack um, at Good girls gone sad at gmail.com and please subscribe to this podcast um some of you are doing that and we are very thankful for it it's nice and um if you want to leave a little review we will mail you a sticker i am not kidding we have good girls gone sad stickers and if you send a little screenshot dm it to us we will mail you a sticker and other than that anything else no i no. thought i had a sticker nearby to show but then i realized that this oh. is this is actually audio <laughs> this is what our cute little logo looks like melissa isn't that fun Yes, I'm about to go leave a review so I can get my sticker. <laughs> we could also just send you a sticker. We'll also send you a sticker, but yeah, I think that's that's it for today. Yes. Oh, awesome. and as always, which is by that I mean this is the first time we're ever going to say it. Remember, Jesus wouldn't call people whores on the internet. His whole thing was being nice. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Yes, and the thing I thought you were going to say but didn't is that we'd like to thank DJ Skip to my loop. Yes. For our amazing theme song, you can follow him on Instagram at DJ Skip to my Luke underscore. Or is it just Skip to my it's Luke? It's just Skip to my Sorry, Luke underscore. Just Skip to my Luke underscore. I say it eight times a day <laughs> and I still can't remember it. Um, thank you so much, Melissa. We have loved talking to you and we will see you on TikTok. See you on TikTok. Oh no, okay.